securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Capital Advisory Group, Inc. is not affiliated with Kestra IS or Kestra AS. Neither Kestra IS nor Kestra AS provide legal or tax advice and are not certified public accounting firms. You work hard for your money. For the next hour, you're going to learn how to keep what's yours. Capital Advisory Group presents Keep What's Yours. Here are Josh Gilbert and Jeff Zufall. Hello and welcome to Keep What's Yours with Jeff Zufall. My name is Josh Gilbert, sitting here with Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor with Capital Advisory Group. Hello, Jeff. Hello. How you doing? Great. And it's one of these things where, full disclosure, Jeff is my tax guy, and he's the one that helps me out with all my stuff. And when I go in and see somebody and talk, uh, we try to get together quarterly, right? Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, we, you and I, we get together weekly. Weekly. Frankly. So, <laughs> uh, But we talk about other people's taxes. We never really talk about uh, mine. Uh, but when it comes to open enrollment, which is coming up, yes. that was that was a big one I wanted to talk to you about. Yes. Maybe we do an open enrollment show next week. Sure. We've got, uh, we've got a plan for this week, and we're going to try to hit it. <laughs> when it comes to open enrollment, what do I do? What changes do I make? When it comes to looking at uh, what happened this past year, do I make any adjustments? Am I still good with the mutual funds I'm in? You know, these are conversations that you need to be having. Oh, definitely. Quarterly. Even when, even with yeah. yourself, if you're just sitting down talking to yourself. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's like someone says, can I sit here for yeah. lunch? And yeah. then I'm talking to myself about yeah. mutual funds. And they're like, oh, I'll find a yeah. new seat. I got a new seat. <laughs> so it's something that you want to talk to, you know, a professional quarterly, but at least twice a year. Yes. You know, we come and see you by default every tax time. Don't have any choice. <laughs> we don't have any choice, you know, and that's just the nature of the beast. But we're talking taxes there. Yes. You know, and you're so busy. And I come in and see you and there's big stacks of paper everywhere. And it's, oh, I'm just just working through the returns. Two, two foot 11 inches is how, how high you can stack tax files until they start to teeter until a little bit. Until they tip over. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Um you're busy with tax stuff. So, you know, I don't want to, oh, by the way, Jeff, I want to sit down and talk about my mutual funds. No, no, that's that's all part of it. It's all part of it. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, let's do that when, when maybe Jeff's a little yes. less busy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's when we come in and see you around August. Um, and just uh, to let everybody know, do, 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 if you file for an extension, you have two days left. Two days. <laughs> Midnight. Monday, twelve fifty nine. Boy, they even the <laughs> extensions really sneak up on you. Yes, oh, it snuck up really quick this year. I don't know why it just did. All of a sudden, it was like, whoa, that's Monday. <laughs> yeah. So if you filed for an extension back in in April, um, and you put it off, yes, well, you've you've got a couple days left. Couple days. Couple hopefully days. You can not, do it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, you're not in that camp. Um, but it'd be nice to come and see you in August or September and, you know, yeah. October is open enrollment. Maybe come and see you uh, for our extensions and then talk about open enrollment well, in October. And, and part of the other stuff to take into consideration for the, I say, the fourth quarter of the year is do you do a Roth conversion? Does well, that's it, right. Does it make mathematical sense? And you always said, and I, I love how you break it down to 
a, a way that a dummy like me <laughs> can understand it. Ha- three quarters of the year has gone by. It's already gone by. Starting today. Yes. You know, another month and a half, two months from now. Yeah. You basically can look at and say, you know, there's there's three, four, five weeks left of the year. Uh, nothing's going to come down the pike that is going to really blow up my exactly. tax return. I can pretty much do the numbers now. Yeah, and know kind of where you're going to fall. It'd be really close, other than if maybe if you're in sales, there could be a, a you know a bonus tossed out there in December. Hey, that's kind of good, but bad, you know. And you, in that case, we'd have to wait till December to do the calculation to see where you're at. But most people will, this time of year, you know where you're going to end the year at or be really close. Nothing's going to come and hit within the next month and a half that's going to push me into yeah. a new tax bracket. Nothing yeah. is because exactly. it's all about which tax bracket you're in exactly. as well. Yeah. I mean, by, and by the time you get to this time of the year, especially when you hit November, December, you'll know which tax, exactly. bra- tax exactly. bracket you're in. Yep. So the question is, what can we do? You know, maybe I can do something to maybe drop me into a lower tax bracket. Maybe have I maxed out my 401k? Maybe do that. Do I have enough money to live for the next four weeks? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I got plenty. All right, well, then let's try to max out my 401k. Have I maxed out the Roth? Have I done everything that I can do? Because once you hit Jan 1, calendar year, things start over. New game. Totally new game. So it's kind of like, you know, we don't want to delay. We don't want to put things off. But it's kind of like cheating the system. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff that can get like HSA contributions. A lot of people don't realize that you really have till March 15th to make a contribution that would count for the previous year. Retroactive. So it's retro. Um, And some, I say, trustees will allow you to do it and some will be very restrictive on that. But that's stuff that we usually, once we start to see the tax stuff, we're like, hey, you know, you need an extra three grand, put it in your, your HSA, you get a tax break. It's a great thing. You're going to spend it anyway, eventually, you know, on health care. So. Right. And most of the time when we actually do look at this stuff, it is tax time, yes. March and April. And was, you know what? Uh, Jeff said I should uh, bump it up another percent. One um, percent a year. One percent a year until you max out. Uh, I'll try to bump it up 1%. And you can try to play that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what bumping it up 2% does to my finances for yeah. the next nine months. <laughs> you can play that game. But by the time you get to November, December, you already you already have the numbers. Exactly. It's done deal. You already have the numbers in front of you. And you say, well, you know, nothing's really going to change too much in, in the next four or five weeks. Now I can really load up in exactly. my 401k. Now I can load up in my Roth, and I know what it's going to do to my finances. And, exactly. You know, we're still going to be able to buy Christmas gifts. And, That's right. And, and Christmas put ham. food on the table. Yeah, the Christmas <laughs> ham. So now's the time of year where you really want to double down and take a look and say, you know, not I'm going to guess what the numbers will be for the next year. No, you know you what know the numbers at. Exactly. are. So now you can really sit down, have the data in front of you, and say. What's my next play? I have a stack of stuff sitting on my desk for the first of next week to start doing calculations like that. Um, you know, hey, are the tax enough taxes paid in? You know, could they could they squeeze in a little bit more in their four hundred one k to reduce their taxes, so on and so forth. So, yeah. and that's something I bet uh, that people put a, a 
an appointment on your calendar every year. Yeah. And you probably see the same people we do. Same, every year this every, time of year. Starting over the next couple of weeks and everybody's like, hey, should I do it? And a lot of them, if they're older and they're higher income, it makes no sense to do a Roth uh, conversion just because the math doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But younger in some cases are if you're pre-retirement and we're trying to back down to where you don't have huge required minimum distributions – um, that's perfect time to do it. And I do want to talk about when we get older. That'll be our theme of the show today. <laughs> do you need more tax planning when you get older? I think I, you do because a lot of people don't pay attention to it. And it's, I mean, we've referenced it many times on the show, the tax time bomb, which is you retire, you get Medicare, you get your Social Security, and then boom, required minimum distributions show up, which is RMD. And it messes the whole thing up because you owe a ton of money in tax and nobody paid attention to it. Nobody saw it coming. Yes. But if you plan properly. There's ways around it. There's, you know, it's it's like, yes. you know, you're not going to step on a tax landmine. Exactly. Because it's like you've got, now you've got x-ray vision. Yes. And you can see <laughs> them coming ahead of time. So um, we'll talk also Social Security's going up. So that is, yes. that'll be Yay. tied in. Two years in a row. <laughs> we'll do uh, the next segment. That'll be if you're older. Do you need more tax planning now that you're older than you did when you were younger? So we'll get into that. But uh, just another reminder, extensions are due in two days. If you filed for an extension. That's right. Don't be late. Here it comes. The failure to file penalty is pretty heavy duty these days. Is there such Uh, thing as an extension to the extension? No, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You pushed it off far enough. Yep. And then inflation. Where are we at right now when it comes to inflation? So we are actually sitting at, I think it's 4.1% overall. And if you take out food and oil, it's 37 okay. And that's last month's numbers. Is that good? <clears throat> um, it's better than where it was a year ago mm-hmm. um, or, or 14 months ago. It's still not good as <clears throat> inflation. Remember, the Fed's target is 2 to 2.5%. And again, the problem what the Fed is watching as we go forward is, is this a small uptick? Is this a trend over the next couple of months? I think they say they're happy with it as we sit, if that's the right verbiage. Um, They speak a little bit more eloquent than what I do, but um, they're they're holding tight. So two months ago, they did not raise rates because they kind of wanted to see what data was out there, you know, what data comes over the next couple of months. They meet again next month, um, and they're kind of hedging that they will not raise rates again because they like these numbers. So they keep saying, the Fed says this, <clears throat> um, to not that, it's, it's, uh, that we're going to have higher interest rates and higher inflation for a while. Um, and that's kind of their indicate. Not that it's a, a spark where, hey, maybe over the next year or two years it stays high. They're, they're kind of leaning that this is going to be around for a while. Yeah. So there were a lot of people saying, oh, in spring of 24, they're going to lower rates and spark the economy. And all. I, I, a lot of the economists do not see that happening. Um, again, because it's an election year and you don't really want to. Right. The, and you, the, I wanted to repeat that. You say that normally they, the Fed – during an election year, which tries, 20, tries to hold tight on raising or decreasing interest rates. Because they so. don't want to have the appearance that they're giving an edge to. Are forcing uh, an issue to the, 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 the. Either candidate. Yes. You know, you've got a sitting president, and if you lower um, 
the rates, then it looks good for him. But if exactly. you've got a sitting president and you raise the rates, then it looks bad on him and it looks good for the challenger. Yes. So as to not have any sort of uh, uh, specter of impropriety, mm-hmm. they generally leave the rates. Try to. Try to. Now, if their hands played at it, they don't have any choice. If yeah. they see inflation spiking, they're going to step in there and do something. But they got a lot of other tools in their toolbox that they could use behind the scenes, the you know quantitative easing and all this weird stuff that they've done in the past. Sure. Um, so hopefully they use those to kind of help propel it forward. And I got to tell you, uh, <clears throat> we have talked about shrinkflation on this show. <laughs> we have talked about my favorite, and by favorite I mean least favorite, greedflation. This is yes. where corporations are raising prices on us, not because of supply chain issues, not because of the pandemic, just because, well, I mean, it doesn't look like anybody's slowing down their spending. So we're just going to raise prices. And again, the consumer's still strong. Well, Uh, you know, when I go to the grocery store and my Pepsi (laughs) goes up by 40 cents, does that prevent me from buying Pepsi? No. no. But if it went up by $4, would it? Yes. That's the question of the yes. day. Yes. Yeah. So they're just like, well, we'll increase prices again. This is the story of the week, Jeff, that I want to share with you. And this this is where it really shows that I never took a business class in school. <laughs> I never took macro. If you did, you sat in the back and fell asleep. <laughs> micro economics. I never took any of that. So now you're giving me uh, my, my collegiate level lessons <laughs> on the economy. But – Pepsi has, I think it said, 2.5% volume loss. They sold 2.5% less physical cans of soda. Yes. But they have gone up. They have gone up in In, sales. sales. And everyone's shaking each other's hands. Their stock price is through the roof. Everyone's congratulating each other. You sold 2.5% less cans of soda last year. What, what's what's going on? They raised prices 11%. Exactly. Which sent them through the roof. From a revenue standpoint, but their stock price is down year to date. Oh, it is? Yes. Okay, year to date. Yeah. So, like, my question is, they actually did worse business this year, but, but the fact that they keep raising prices on us and we exactly. aren't balking at and it. nobody, there's, there's that point where it's a price point where the consumer will say, nope, not buying it anymore, and they walk away. They know what that number is. They've done studies, research. They spend big bucks for that. Um, so, again, they'll play that game. They'll run it right up within a couple of cents or a couple of dollars or wherever that range is and then stop. So if my if my cube of Pepsi, and I don't, do they even make the cube anymore? I don't um, know if they do or not. They Usually do that, they're like 12 packs now. Yeah, when you slide it in your fridge, <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly. Because who's got the space for a cube? A cube, true, true. Um, so my, my fridge pack of Pepsi has gone up, you know, maybe 70 cents. Yeah. I probably haven't even noticed. You didn't. You, you know? I mean, unless you sat down with your budget and said, where's that money going? You know what I've noticed, Jeff, is, you know, at the end of the month, I said, gosh, our yeah. grocery bill is so high. But I haven't pinpointed it and tagged exactly. Pepsi in it because yeah. they're all doing it. Everybody is. They're all doing yep. it. Yep. So it just it boggles my mind that they could sell less soda yes. but end up you know, getting bonuses because they just charged us so much more yep. for the stuff and that's, they did and, sell. And in the past, and I say in the past, late 70s, early 80s, the theory was the Fed could raise rates 
um, they could slow the economy down strictly by raising interest rates, and it would squeeze the consumer to quit spending. In today's environment, after COVID, it's a little there's a little economic, um, I'll say, uh, uh, discrepancies out mm-hmm. there because most of the corporations have already built that profit in. So when the Fed starts to raise rates, all it does is it's going to take longer to get the effect that the Fed wants done. So. That's the biggest issue. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but raising interest rates hasn't stopped me from buying soda. No, that it hasn't, but and, it, but it will so. slow you down from maybe buying a car, maybe yeah. slowing you down from buying a house, and then that's the effect that the Fed tries to watch big picture um, as, as it's trying to look forward, maybe twelve months into the markets. And I say the markets as not like the stock market, but the economy to look twelve months in advance and say, hey, what are we going to do to the economy? Um, the stock market is trying to, if you want to call it front run, or, or be an, a leading indicator of where the economy is. So you know, they kind of go hand in hand. But that's, again, we don't, we don't know what steps the feds are going to take. And then 2024 becomes an election year, and it gets goofy anyway just yeah. because it's an election year. And I'm not trying to jam Pepsi up because no, they're no, all no. doing they're it. They're all doing it. Procter I mean, & Gamble admitted – yeah, well, we've talked to our consumers, and they said they don't mind paying, paying higher. more. Yes, yeah. So yeah. we're raising our prices again. Yeah, um, but the right mind's going to go. Yeah, charge me more. Charge yeah, me, please, please charge me more. You know. But this economy and raising the interest rates, it might slow us down from buying a car. It might yes. slow us down from buying that 4K Ultra TV during yes. Prime Day. Oh yeah. Um, but it curved. It's, <laughs> yeah, curved the curved one. I don't understand how that works. But we're not we're not going to stop buying soda. No, just it, yet. We it, still need toilet paper. Exactly, and you'll buy that. They could and t- they know that, and they know it, and they know yep. that. They could so. say, "Hey, it's a hundred dollars a roll." You go, "Okay, thank okay, you." Now I've stopped <laughs> buying toilet paper. Now I'm using Pepsi. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, it's just it's just one of those things where the economy is just so. Um, interesting and infuriating sometimes. And, and here's the twist. You know, I always, I always make the joke with people as like, hey, this is, you know, I kind of say my five cents on where the economy's going. And I always say this, and I, I mean it in a, in a normal way, uh, you know, unless somebody blows something up. Now we got the turmoil in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And so far this week, the markets really have shrugged it off like nothing spectacular's happened. Um, but again, the question is what happens a week into this, three weeks into it? Um, that's the question of the day. Who gets involved over the next month? Um, you know, does it become, you know, multifaceted where you got four or five different countries going at it? I mean, that's, if, if, uh, if we have to start giving more money to more, you know, Ukraine has been the big thing. Exactly. We got to give money to Israel. Israel, the bail, you know, bail them out and yeah. help them. And I if mean, there's a, a wider regional skirmish or could, a war, full-on war, then yeah. then what are we going to do? And that's that's a question nobody knows. Yeah. Um, so again, that's that plays part, and it sounds crazy, but that does play into the bigger picture of our economic picture. What takes place? It, yeah. It's a direct correlation to the markets, day in day out, but bigger picture economy what's at play you know and that that's that's a term paper right there jeff how oh, does, yeah, it is <laughs> how does the war in israel affect my soda prices yes <laughs> there yeah. you go so somebody uh, will start writing on that one monday somebody writing it yeah some, there's a college student in the library right now yep. going through it right now so uh that is kind of some of the headlines for this week but we'll go to commercial break and give you another headline a big headline one that actually has to do with us social security yes, yes going yes. up Again, uh, not as great as it was last year, but it's still good. 
it's still better. So we will talk about that and the wider conversation. Do I need to do more tax planning when I'm older than I do Say yes. when I'm younger. We'll get into it. Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor with Capital Advisory Group. Keep what's yours. It's the name of the book. It's the name of the show. And it's the lifestyle you need to be living, how to do your taxes and financial planning to keep more of your money in your pocket rather than going out needlessly to the federal government. Yes. It is the legal way of cheating on your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> if you could say that. <laughs> if you can say that. 636-394-5524. 636-394-5524 is the phone number, capitaladvisorygrp.com. And I'll amend that statement. It's the legal way of lowering your taxes. Yes. <laughs> How about Pay that? Pay only what you're legally obligated to. And not a penny mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. We'll be back right after this. Do you need to do more tax planning when you're older? We'll be right back. Keep What Yours continues with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Sufall. Back in the Big 550, back to Keep What's Yours, Jeff Sufall, Senior Tax Strategist, Wealth Advisor, Capital Advisor Group. Uh, the number 636-394-5524. If you need help with your taxes, he's my tax guy. That's where we go. If you need some financial advice or some tax planning or some financial planning, Jeff does that too. 636-394-5524. And we've talked about this before uh, just very briefly. The benefit of having your tax guy also be your financial advisor. It's one-stop shopping, one office to go to. Yeah. Most people will go. Their finance guy says, hey, I'm going to do these trades, but, you know, consult your tax advisor. Um, you know, so really they can't give you the end result. You got to go then drive down the street, take that data, give it to the tax guy. Tax guys go like, why'd you do that? It's going to yeah, cause you yeah, tax. Exactly. And so the two are not on the same page. That's the issue. And what the financial guy does might be beneficial to him to, yeah. as far as fees or increasing the amount or whatever. But if you take money out of your you know your 401k and convert it to Roth you sometimes lower the the financial guys income well hypothetically yes cuz uh, typically most of people i mean we do it we get paid for assets under management it's mm-hmm. kind of the the bread and butter um so yes if we send money to a client we're not making as much i mean that's that's the whole theory of the assets under management though is it puts us on the same side as the client, mm-hmm. um, which means if we make you money, we get a pay raise. If we lose money, we take a pay cut. So, yes, I mean, most people are like, oh, I lost money in the market. Um, so did everybody, you know. But, again, that's the game that is played on a day-in, day-out basis. Yeah. Not that we have some proven method better and we'll never lose money is baloney. Everybody goes through those, you know, uh, troughs and valleys in a sense. So, um, so that's the whole side of it. But – um, used to be where in the past, if you paid an advisory fee, you got to write it off. Um, that was taken away in 2018, 19, um, and Trump's tax cuts. Um, so, again, you can't take advisory fees, you know, and take a deduction on it. So then you can say, was well, that lessen it? Well, not necessarily, but a lot of people wouldn't explain that to their clients and say, oh, you can't deduct, you know, $10,000 in annual fees anymore. So... Yeah, and it's one of those things where, you know, you're fine. And I'm not going to say that anyone's financial guy is, uh, you know, doing something 
underhandedly. Oh no, no, there's tons but of. But the financial great ones guy out there. might recommend something, and then you go back to your tax guy, and you just said it, and the tax guy says that is a terrible yeah, idea a ter- in the long gonna, run. It's going to cost you money, and, and I see a lot of advisors that are that are trying to say, hey, you need to in generic side reduce your IRA account balance, <clears throat> put it into a Roth. You never pay tax again. Yes, that's the I, I get that wholeheartedly. The problem is, is in some people it makes sense to, and other people is absolutely zero sense. Um, mathematically, you could break it back down and show it on a tax return and say it's going to cost you X to do that today. It's not worth it. Or you can't make that money back. You can't make the tax money back over a period of time. And right. so the, 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 uh, I say the advisory guys are looking at with one hand tied behind their back, in a sense, if it's a taxable event. And yeah. there's a lot of them that kind of know generics, but they can't really get deep into it to tell you that just because that's not their trade, if you want to call it. Why wouldn't you have someone that does both? Why exactly. tie – why go to someone whose hand is tied behind the yeah. – well, I don't know the tax implications. When you can go to someone who – has says, both hands. Hey, here's what we're going to do. This is why we're doing it because it's going to help you in the long run for X, Y, and the Z. The taxes are minimal. But this is what it's going to cost you. Yeah. And here's how it gets offset because of what you've done. Yeah. And that's what we do. And that's what we're going to bring up today is when we make these moves, especially with Social Security going up. We'll touch on that in just a second. When we make these moves in retirement or in our older ages, 60 plus. Does that affect more than when we make moves when we are in our 40s and 50s? Do we need more tax planning when we're older than we do when we're younger? Yes, because uh, typically when you're older, you're on a fixed income. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to say fixed income, not like everybody's you know counting pennies on the table. But, but you are to a degree because it's not like you're retired. You want to go back to work at any point in time. So the big picture is this, is, and it, and it kind of goes in a couple of steps. You can plan up to it until you step over that threshold. So the first one would be, so Social Security, here's, here's kind of the setup. There's a 3.2% increase in Social Security that comes January 1, 2024. So that's, that's the news this that's week. That's the, the news this week. So your Social Security income will increase by 3.2%. What did it go up last year? Uh, eight point, I think 8.5. Don't quote me on that. But it was, it was a chunk. Wow. It was huge. And so as we go forward this year, it's going to be 3.2. Um, and, the, and the concept is your income, if you're on Social Security, your income increases by 3.2%. So the question of the day, this is how it all ties together. So let's say you're over 65 um, and you have Medicare. The question is all your other income combined, that's one of the, the it's called uh, the IRMA, which is the uh, – the increase in your Medicare, how much you pay for your Medicare premiums. So if if Social Security went up eight something percent last year, it goes up three point two percent this year. Over the course of two years, it's gone up 10, 11, plus, yeah. 10 plus percent. Yeah. So now all of a sudden your income's higher. If you're taking now here's something else to take into consideration. Um, today most money markets are four point five, just shy of five percent. 12 months ago, 14 months ago, you made less than a quarter percent. Um, but because the Fed is, this is the, the byproduct of increasing interest rates, now you're just shy of 5% in interest to sit in a, in a money market account. So if you have a chunk of change in cash, you've now got an increase in your actual interest income. And guess what? All that stuff combined together could actually make you 
go up in tax brackets and you're going to pay more in tax. So the other side of the equation is, like we were talking about for the uh, 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 Medicare, is literally it's a, there's, a, there's set thresholds for Medicare that as you go forward. And when I say set thresholds, just to give you an idea, the, like I was talking about IRMA, which is the it's reference. IRMA stands for Income-Related Monthly Adjustment Amounts. What that basically says is when you, you pay for Medicare and when you first come into it, um, the average person that makes less than, um, and again, I'm referencing joint filers, 194000 a year or less. Jointly. Jointly. You're, you're paying 164.90 a month is what you're paying. But let's say that your income is um, $246,000 as we sit today. You're going to pay $230.80 a month, and that you pay an increase in, in Medicare premiums because your income, you're a little bit more successful and Medicare wants more money. Okay? But let's say that you made that, that same year you made $246 in a dollar, one dollar will make you pay $329.70 a month for Medicare. So literally, it jumps at almost 100 bucks a month mm. just to make an extra dollar. So these increases, so you get an increase in Social Security. You get an increase in your, the money in the money market. Hopefully you made money in the market, <laughs> so you have a, maybe a capital gain or something of that effect. All that stuff taken into consideration this is tax bracket planning is what it is in its easiest form. And and this is crazy because I would think that once you retire, your tax pla- tax bracket planning is done. No, you know? it gets worse. Because, it gets worse. Because you have Social Security coming in. You might have a pension. I mean, some of the older people who have pension. Younger people have 401K. That's it. Um, you then have Medicare that kicks in at 65, and then guess what? You kind of get that little, I say, gray area for a couple of years that you, you don't have to worry about anything. But depending upon your age at either 70 and a half, 72, 73, or soon to be 75 for required minimum distributions kicks in, and that's added fuel on top of all that other income. So it really starts to get tricky as you get older just because the IRS is, is layering these incomes to you as you go forward. And tax bracket planning, tax bracket bingo. Yes. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> um, the whole idea is when you're young, in your 40s, like me, mm-hmm. uh, to sock away into a pre-tax 401k is the idea is that when I'm older, my tax bracket's going to be lower. Hypothetically. And I'll trade the taxes then yes. for paying them now. And, and your biggest thing is time value of money. So, again, you'd have to be at, a, like when you defer it, maybe a you know, 28% tax bracket and you retire to 24. But, again, that gets tricky because when you get older, as these things are layered on top, um, you could be in the same tax bracket. I mean, the, the old the old theory was, hey, you you want to make the same money you make your work that you are today when you retire, right? Um, but if you're making three or four hundred grand a year, do you really need that in retirement? I mean, that's the question of the day, right? <laughs> and most of the time, the kids are gone. Yeah, you know, we sell the house because we ex- want to downsize. downsize to something that's manageable, and you really don't need that kind of income, and you got money socked away. So again, you know, like, hey, I don't need to go out and kill myself every day, you know. So, again, that's that tax bracket planning. So it gets a little trickier when so you get older. When Social Security goes up, 
like it has the past two years, almost 10 plus 11 percent. Yes. Does the threshold on Medicare go up? No. <laughs> okay, so this, that, that's a problem. That's a huge problem because problem. because it's baked in to where that they know people that are right there on the edge, it'll push them over that edge. And like I said, it's a dollar more that you make. And the problem with the with the Medicare planning is it's not what you made like last year, it's 2 years ago because it will take almost 18 months before Social Security Administration gets their hands on what you made and then they send you a letter in the mail that says, "Hey, you got to pay more." And yeah. you're like, wait, 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 that's two years ago. It's not immediate. So there is a delayed response by Social Security. And you throw in the RMDs, and there's oh, yeah. so many things you can do with RMDs. You can, uh, It's coming out, whether we want to or exactly. not. It's exactly. It's coming out. So if we haven't planned for it, uh, it's going to cause a problem with your taxes. Sure. Uh, and it may bump you up into a thresh, into a tax bracket you don't want to be in. You don't want to be in. Uh, so it may if, affect how much your Social Security gets taxed. Exactly. These are all – the more I talk about it, the more I do realize <laughs> tax planning is harder when we get older. Yes. It gets uh, a little trickier. I mean when you're younger, you say, hey, I, you don't – if you're W-2 employee, you really don't have many – exemptions slash, you know, places that go hide money other than pack it away in retirement savings. Um, or if you have deferred comp, that's one thing. Um, you know, or like you guys have access to the, the uh, you know, pre-tax for the child care and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. So, I mean, that's all the stuff you try and put together. But as you get older, all of a sudden you got all these different dollars colliding at the same time. And the IRS is not stupid. They know the game. Um, yeah. They know exactly how to kind of get you. Now, let me ask you this. This is, this is a more philosophical question. I sock a bunch of money away, uh, like you said, several different buckets, pre-tax, after-tax, Roth, um, you know, maybe a little bit in a brokerage account. That's something I want to talk to you about in the next segment. Uh, I've invested in um, – rare whiskeys, you know, <laughs> weird, I, you know, I put some money in gold, yeah. you know, I've done the right things, but as long as you don't drink it all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when I go to retire and I go to take money out and I want to play it safe so that I don't bump myself up into a weird tax bracket, but I do want to have the boat that I've always dreamed about. You don't want to take all your money out because then you get hit with the, the biggest tax bomb Huge. of all. Yeah. So I'm just taking out a little bit of money at a time. What happens if I croak at 68? Um, you know, you knock it, on wood. <laughs> if, if, it's, if you leave it to your spouse, she takes it over just like it was hers. Everything's perfectly fine. No tax is really created. You go, she goes on the merry way. If both of you pass away or you're single, you leave it to your kids and it starts a whole nother scenario. Because it used to be that the kids could do a stretch IRA or a beneficial IRA and use it for their retirement. But because of the new RMD rules, 2021, they now get 10 years in which to spend the money. They've, so I left them a million dollars, and they have 10 years to take to, it out to take all it out. at once or over, over 100000 So the theory a year I mean, for the, 10 years. One of the things we look at is depending upon the kid's tax bracket, too. So you would play a game with the children and say, hey, you can make $150,000 before this becomes a huge issue, or – if they're already, you know, working and they have full-time jobs going, they don't want to pay a 38% tax bracket, take a hundred grand a year plus earnings, 
and that's what gets taken out over 10 years. And that is that is just when we talk about the pre-tax account. Yes. Anything yeah. that is in my bank account when I die, my kids get – Comes over as a step up in basis. Mm-hmm. So there's no – your house, as long as it's titled correctly and doesn't have to go through probate – but still, at the end of the day, it comes over as step-up in basis. And the, that's, that's one of the big things that's like this. I, I, I say it from a political standpoint, both parties toss it back and forth like, oh, we're going to do away with that, blah, 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 the step-up in basis. That's huge. I mean, huge. And you say, would they really do that? You hope they wouldn't. Um, but that's how assets are passed generation to generation. And some of the biggest problems come with that pre-tax account because I still owe tax on that money. Yes. As long Somebody's as Somebody's going to pay it. <laughs> yeah, if I haven't hit the RMD and it's sitting in an account, the government is sitting there waiting for me to for take their it portion. out because yep. they're going to tax it at some point. So yep. if it gets passed to the kids, then now the kids have to deal with the IRS and all that stuff. But ultimately, my question is when I'm saving for retirement. When mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I built that account up to a million dollars, am I saving that money to live the high life when I'm retired or am I saving that money to just be able to live? I think you look at it both ways. Um, and the funny part is there's a report I was reading and it talks about, um, you know, people living to 100 or more. And if you really think about that, Jeff, if, my generation, we're going to be one twenty. <laughs> one twenty. That's. Yeah. I mean, that's. I Unfortunately mean, for you guys, <laughs> we're goners. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if you, if let's look at it this way, if you retired at sixty five, sixty seven, somewhere in that range, and you live to a hundred, another thirty five years. Exactly. You're just like, whoa, that's a long time. So, how much money does it take you to get there? Um, I mean, I, I go to a business coach, and they talk about they made us sit down and write out, hey. How old will you be in – it sounds stupid, but you don't pay attention to this. How old will you be in five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, wait a minute. we got to back up a little yeah. bit. Why am I making a 30-year plan <laughs> if I'm already 70 exactly. or 80? You know? <laughs> so that's, that's the question of the day is how much money do you need? Um, and, and that's the unknown when people start to retire – trying to plan for retirement. They're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, which is honest. They don't know what they're going to need. But what if you took, I mean, conventional wisdom is 80% of what you currently earn and all that kind of stuff. But what if you just said, hey, I'm going to replace my income? Um, normal person's going to say, hey, I go with that. The closer you get to retirement, the more refined you drill that number down to. Because then you go, well, my house is paid for. Um, cars are paid for. I mean, you always have to replace a vehicle. They don't last that long, yeah. you know, five years, six years. So, yeah. Well, it's one of those things where uh, I always say you got to talk to someone like Jeff, a tax guy, uh, a wealth advisor. He does both. We already mentioned why that's uh, more beneficial than having two separate ones. You want to talk to someone like Jeff in your heyday once a quarter or at least twice a year, uh, you know, once at tax time and then kind of re- regroup around October and, exactly. and see if exactly. you can max out your 401k before the end of the year. You want to do that. But otherwise, you know, I'm in my early 40s. My wife, we're dual inner earners. We've got a child. Uh, we've got some investments going. We just crunch along. Yeah. We just <laughs> keep going and we talk keep to you. Keep packing it away. Do You're we need in- to make an adjustment. Yeah, I'll do this tweak. I'll do that tweak. We're just going along. But when we go to retire, and mm-hmm. even five or ten years before we do, then we have to start to really zero in to say, hey, how close are we? Mm-hmm. Um, are, are we on track? 
that's the other question. A lot of people show up and they're like, hey, I saved 100 grand in my 401k. And I'm like, okay, that's a year's salary. Yeah. You know, seriously, after tax, um, if you have no other resources or people that say, I'm retiring at 60, I'm like, you do realize you have to pay for health care for five years, just the oh, premiums. Yeah. Yep. Um, unless they give you health care, you know, retiree health care, that's different. But a lot of companies are starting to fade away from that. So um, that's the that's that planning concept to start to put this on paper. Um, and most people, I'll say, in their 50s start really wanting to crunch the numbers. Um, like yourself, um, you guys are in the accumulation stage. So the theory is, is just start packing it away the best you can. And time value of money, which basically means money over time, will grow. And hopefully you grow it enough to where when you get out to your late 50s, you start zeroing in to say, all right, I'm going to work till I'm 66 and three months and quit. Yeah. And I say quit, not retire, just quit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm starting yeah. to think that once I hit 65, uh, I'm going to be calling you every other week. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, where are we at? Are we still good? We at? Am I getting all my like, Social Security? Great. Nope. I'll talk to you next week. Then it's 77, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Jeff Zufall, Senior Tax Strategist and Wealth Advisor with Capital Advisory Group. If you're getting to that age where you're realizing, hey, I actually need more tax bracket planning than ever before. Give them a yes. call. 636-394-5524. 636-394-5524. Capital Advisory Group out in Ellisville. Uh, it's a nice drive. I go out there all the time, and then I stop by that Taco Bell. Because <laughs> I, normally I, my wife stays home with, with the, uh, the baby, and I go, and I relay to her. We get her on speakerphone. And then uh, I'm like, honey, you know what? I won't be home for dinner because I, I pulled into that Taco Bell. Uh, but it's a nice office. Go out and see Jeff, senior tax strategist and wealth advisor with Capital Advisory Group. When we come back, we'll just hit a couple more news stories and then be done for the week. It is Keep What's Yours on the Big 550 KTRS. Keep more of your money in your paycheck, in your bank account, in your retirement funds than going out to the federal government in the form of taxes. We don't mind paying our taxes, Exactly, Jeff, exactly. But not a penny more. Than your fair share. We'll go to break and when we come back, a couple news stories and wrap it up. Keep What Yours continues with Josh Gilbert and Jeff Sufall. Back on the show, back on the Big 550, Keep What's Yours. And with just a couple minutes left, really quickly, headlines, Microsoft owes the IRS an extra $29 billion. That's with a B. <laughs> oh, you know, I didn't think uh, big corporations like that even got taxed. They do. I mean, they don't run it to zero, but they write some pretty fat checks. So they're fighting it. Yes. So when we always talk about how companies like GE and Microsoft have entire office buildings full of, of people that are going to hack away at it. Tax lawyers. And IRS will end up owing them five bucks when it's yeah. all said and done. <laughs> yeah. After our uh, three floors of tax yeah. attorneys got I've done come with, up with it, this. Yeah. you guys actually owe us a return. Uh, so Microsoft owes $29 billion to the IRS. That's yeah. where they stand right So when now. you get your tax bill this year and you go, man, I owe what? $29 billion is a big difference. Yeah. So. Hey, it could be, could be worse. <laughs> <laughs> you could be Microsoft. Buying an electric vehicle, an EV, in yes. 2023, 2022, it was, it was more like a tax credit. It was a credit on your tax return. So you had to buy it, and you had to wait until you filed, and then you had all the paperwork, and you key it in, and you get your credit on it the tax return. It was $7,500, nothing to sniff at. Still 7500 bucks, but in 2024, literally $7,500 will be taped to the hood of the car. 
waiting for you. So you get it when you purchase the vehicle. I or, purchase the vehicle. The United States government sends me a check. Through your dealer will actually cut you a check or knock $7,500 off the car price. So no offense to the car dealers, but I'm sure there's a way they're going to wiggle that around a little bit. I'm sure. sure. Well, uh, you know, any any good car dealer with their salt. figure it out, yeah. Yeah, we'll so, figure something out. you don't have to wait to actually do your tax return to get to credit. So wow. you could use it as your down payment. You could use it for whatever. Knock the price down, what financing. And there's a whole list out there yes. of EVs that qualify. And they all have to be either American-made or there's, all the parts need to be they've sourced. They've changed all kinds of crazy stuff. Originally, it was all the batteries had to be manufactured in the U.S. There's a plant in Arizona and a plant, I think, in Kentucky. But neither one are online yet. I think it's 24 or 25 before they come online. So the feds have kind of adjusted these rules a little bit. But before you buy one, make sure that vehicle is on the list. So if you think you're going to get your 7500 bucks, but you buy one that is not on the list, you'll be a little upset. Oh, yeah. So just make oh, sure it's there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then student loan debt and the debt forgiveness. First yeah. and foremost, normally if you got a cancellation of debt, if you went to one of these maybe for-profit universities that they realized were scamming yeah. the system yeah. and you got your debt Relieved exactly in the in the in past, the past. so tw- this started in twenty one goes all the way to twenty five. Um, so in the past, they probably issued you what's called a ten ninety nine C, which is a cancellation of debt. So yes, you didn't have to pay the debt, but with the ten ninety nine C, now you got to pay tax on the debt that you were relieved on. So what the IRS has now said is that is non taxable. So if anybody's out there listening. And in the past, like 21, 22, you paid tax. You get to amend your return because what the IRS is now saying is that there's the, 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 the I guess the, the lenders slash the servicers, whoever you want to call it, are not supposed to issue 1099Cs anymore. So and that's the right play. Sure it is. That would be like, oh, you got scammed. Here's your money back. Oh, by yeah, the way, but though, you, you owe got us a, five grand yeah. in tax, which is crazy. It'd so, be like if I took something back to the store yeah. and they didn't give me the taxes back on yeah. it. Yeah. And they said, oh, no, you got to pay that. But yeah. again, here's the caveat. Depends upon what state you lived in when you got that 1099C. Some states are now saying, hey, it's taxable. So you're going to pay a state tax on it. State tax is probably better than a federal tax. But, um, again, you just have to really look at that to see where were you then and you go from there. And um, I, want to, I want to flesh this out maybe on next week's show. Student loan debt is back, you know, starting in October. They yeah. started issuing our bills again. Uh, my parents, I need to thank Pam and Truman for paying off my student loans. <laughs> my wife still has some, though. Um, so you can start a 529 plan, yeah. which is generally that was – you know, for our kids and grandkids yeah. and, and for other people, we could start a 529 plan for ourselves. Yes. And sock money away. And pay your student loan off. Now, here's the caveat. It's $10,000 one time, and it is a lifetime limit. You get one shot at this. Mm. So the theory is you could pack ten grand away into your 529 for you, then turn around, pay that student loan off. And, and the ten grand goes. It's a one-time dealy, no ten percent penalty, no nothing like that. And get a state tax credit of five percent, or four point seven eight in Missouri, and five percent in Illinois. And that only makes sense that it is us saving up for our own education, exactly. even though it Whether happened twenty. Exactly. Years ago. <laughs> Whether you paid for it directly to the school or you're paying the servicer right. today. 
All right. And so, we, well, we still probably owe a lot more in yeah, interest but, and all that stuff. But, but again, that's the struggle most people, I would say, from a standpoint like we had discussed. Um, you're making the, the monthly payments are back now online. Um, you go, hey, I got to make my monthly payment, but yet at the same token, figure out how to find ten grand to park it into a five twenty nine to turn around and then knock down your student loan by ten grand. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll get into that and much, much more next week's show. Keep what's yours with Jeff Zufall six three six three nine four five five two four Capital Advisory Group Capital Advisory GRP dot com. Jeff, we're out of time, but we'll see you next week. You betcha. Thank you. You've been listening to Keep What's Yours.